Good Monday morning. Millions of people impacted by severe weather on both coasts. And there is more to come. It is February 19th. This is Today. Powerful storms. Whoa. Whoa. Torrential rain causing major problems across the west, flooding, mudslides, and emergency evacuations. And in the east, Just a tornado. Florida hit with a punishing system of its own, even delaying the iconic Daytona 500. We'll have your full forecast in morning. A Minnesota community coming together to honor three first responders shot and killed in the line of duty. We are all hurting. What we're learning this morning about the victims, the emergency call they were responding to, and the gunman. Brushing it off. The freight train is coming in November. Donald Trump attempting to move on after his civil fraud trial fined hundreds of millions of dollars, but his lone Republican rival pouncing on that ruling and the former president's views on Russia. Donald Trump is going to side with a thug who kills his political opponents. With the next primary just five days away, we'll have the very latest from the campaign trail. Campus mystery, new details on a deadly shooting inside a college dorm room in Colorado. Two people killed, the search for a suspect underway. We'll take you inside the investigation. All that plus healing. Pastor Joel Osteen overcome with emotion during his first Sunday service since that deadly shooting inside his Houston megachurch. This morning, the message of hope he wants everyone to hear. And shining stars, Michael J. Fox honored during a touching tribute at the BAFTA Awards in London. While the year's best in music, movies, and TV are celebrated at the People's Choice Awards. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Adam Sandler. We'll break down the big winners and best moments today, Monday, February 19th, 2024. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Good morning and welcome to today. Thank you for joining us on this Presence Day, Monday morning. I'm Peter Alexander alongside Laura Jarrett. Both Savannah and Hoda have this holiday off. We'll talk later about why Presence Day is associated with selling mattresses. Is that I have whole, wondered about that's that. a whole other story. We've got some good <laughs> deals for you up ahead. But Barbenheimer, it's back, right? The competition is on. You know, the award season always just makes me remember how little I have seen this year and how much I have left to go. But we have lots of good movies ahead, including Hilary Swank here to discuss her latest film, which is really great. Yeah, I'm a girl dad, so Barbie's been seen. Oppenheimer, we still have some work to do there. First, though, to our top story, severe weather on both coasts and impacting travel all across the nation. Yeah, that's right. In Florida, pounding rain forced NASCAR to postpone yesterday's season opening race, the iconic Daytona 500. It's now set to happen later this afternoon. And then out west, a line of storms is leading to evacuations and new concerns over flooding, as well as mudslides. 35 million people under flood watches in California, 15 million under wind alerts. Dylan has the full forecast in just a moment, but we do want to begin with NBC's Liz Croyd. She is in Santa Barbara for us this morning. Liz, look at that scene where you are. Just a ton of rain they've seen. 
Yeah. Hey, Peter, California can't catch a break right now. It's pouring down on us here. And you can see this fast rising Russian Creek behind me. It goes right through downtown Santa Barbara. And there's concern that it could overflow and flood some of the low lying historic neighborhoods here. That's what happened two weeks ago during those back to back atmospheric rivers we saw. And now some of the same areas that are still dealing with cleanup from those storms are dealing with another round of heavy rain. Overnight, whipping winds and heavy rain taking aim out west. Officials issuing evacuation warnings in parts of Southern California as another atmospheric river dumped up to an inch of rain an hour on the already soaked region. The rain causing massive mudslides to block a rural highway, while uprooted trees have toppled power lines. The Storm Prediction Center highlighting a rare tornado risk for the Central Valley, impacting 3 million people this afternoon. In higher elevations, heavy snow is blanketing the Sierra Nevada mountains. Four feet is expected to pile up with wind gusts reaching 60 miles per hour, making for dangerous driving conditions. In all, 35 million people are under flood alerts, with up to eight inches of rain expected over the next few days. It all adds to the more than 14 inches that soaked Southern California just two weeks ago. The back-to-back storm systems causing more than 500 mudslides. This is wild. Officials worry this latest round of rain will lead to even more flooding and damage. Just a tornado. On the East Coast, a different storm system spawning a possible tornado in the Florida Everglades. Thunderstorms forcing a temporary ground stop at Miami International. While NASCAR's Daytona 500 was postponed for just the third time in the race's history. Improving conditions should allow the race to get back on track this afternoon. But back out west, this days-long storm system is just getting started. And it's not just the concern of flooding from these creeks. There's a concern of just how saturated the soils are here and whether or not these areas can even absorb all this water that we're getting. That is leading to the threat, again, of more mudslides, more landslides, and more falling trees over the coming days. Peter. Yeah, be safe out there, Liz. Appreciate your report. Thank you. For more on what you can expect, let's say good morning to Dylan. She's in for Al. All right, Dylan, how bad is it going to get? Good morning, guys. Well, it's going to be bad in California the next couple of days. We've got the wind alerts, the flood alerts, also winter weather alerts and the higher elevations where we could see a couple feet of snow out of this one. We talk about the atmospheric river, and that's basically a pipeline for the moisture that's going to make its way on shore. We do have flash flood warning in effect right now where this heavier rain is moving in near Santa Barbara. This is just round one. And then watch what happens as we go through the day. We're actually going to start to see the heavier rain shift to central and northern California. That's going to be the area where we'll see most of our heavy rain going through the day into tonight. And then as we go into Tuesday into Wednesday, that's when we're going to see another round of heavier rain start to impact LA down through San Diego. And that's where we'll see most of that additional rainfall. So today into tonight, I think we'll get about one to three inches of rain across central and northern California. Again, the ground is already saturated. This could lead to flooding, mudslides, debris flows. You see the water just kind of push all of that dirt away along with everything in it, like the trees that takes down the power lines. We're also looking at perhaps as much as three to five inches as we go into Tuesday and Wednesday across Southern California. So that flooding concern is going to be a major issue, Peter. All right, Dylan, thank you very much. Also ahead this morning, um, a Minnesota community that is grieving the deaths of two police officers and a first responder shot and killed in the line of duty as they responded to a domestic violence call. NBC's Adrian Broadus joins us from Burnsville. That is 20 miles south of Minneapolis. Adrian, good morning. 
Peter, good morning to you. A day later and police are still present. The killings of these first responders show the dangers members of law enforcement here in Minnesota and across the country face every time they respond to a call. We ask for healing. In Minnesota, grief and heartache. We're heartbroken. We are heartbroken. After a 911 call for a family in danger led to the deaths of three first responders who came to the rescue. Medic two is taking two rigs, two patients. Medic one is taking one. Rough County, Vice County, critical. When officers got to the scene, the individual was barricaded. The subject uh, opened fire on the officers in the home. Other first responders rushing to help warned. Medics back off. Two blocks away, Connor Noonan says he heard shots. Like loud bangs, like boom, boom, boom. Uh, and then rapid fire after that, like an automatic weapon, like pop, 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 pop. It all happened just outside Minneapolis in Burnsville. Police say they were negotiating with the shooter when he started shooting. We later learned uh, that there were seven young children in the home, uh, ranging from ages 2 to 15. Outside the home, a SWAT vehicle riddled with bullet holes. They know they have to give up their life sometime, and they do it anyways. Among the victims, police officer Paul Elmstrand was 27. Matthew Ruge was also 27 and was part of the crisis negotiating team. And Adam Finseth, a firefighter and paramedic for five years in Burnsville, was 40. They go out and do the job to provide us safety that we have the luxury of not having to think about many times. To those who wear the badge or are even considering and seeing this and say, I don't want to, I don't know if I can do that. What do you say to them? When it comes to public service and public safety, it's in the hearts and it's in the souls of the folks who do it. Fellow officers also remembering the fallen. We're hurting. Okay, we're hurting. The shooter died, but police have not said how it happened. As far as those seven children who are trapped inside, they are safe. And the other officer who was injured is expected to recover. Peter? Such a terrible loss. Adrian brought us from the very latest there south of Minneapolis. Adrian, thank you. Turning now to the presidential race on this President's Day morning with South Carolina's Republican primary coming up on Saturday. Nikki Haley is ramping up attacks on Donald Trump and President Biden. But the GOP frontrunner is eyeing November as his legal woes loom over his campaign. NBC's Garrett Hake has the very latest. Hey, Garrett. Hey, Laura, good morning. Look, technically, this Republican primary is far from over, but you wouldn't necessarily know that from watching Donald Trump's campaign. He spent the weekend focused partly on talking up the general election, but also heavily on that New York court case now set to cost him hundreds of millions of dollars. The freight train is coming in November. This morning, Donald Trump's campaign knocked off track by a New York judge, ordering the billionaire Republican presidential frontrunner on Friday to pay more than $355 million in fines plus interest. It's a sham case. There were no victims, no defaults, no damages, no complaints, no nothing. The former president vowing to appeal the civil fraud trial that found him liable for fraud, conspiracy, and issuing false financial statements and false business records. The judge also banning him from operating a business in New York for three years. The ruling coming one day after a separate judge set a March 25th trial date in the first of four criminal cases against Mr. Trump. This one over alleged hush money payments to an adult film actress during the 2016 race. 
his last remaining primary opponent, Nikki Haley, pointing voters to the legal minefield Mr. Trump faces. He, by his own words, said he's going to be spending more time in court than he is on the campaign trail. That's a problem. Republicans will not win if Donald Trump is the nominee. Haley also attacking Trump after the death of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny, calling for Trump to condemn Vladimir Putin. Donald Trump is going to side with a thug who kills his political opponents. Trump has yet to respond to Navalny's death. But despite Haley's push, polls show the former president leading by a dominant margin in her home state of South Carolina, which holds its primary Saturday and across the field of Super Tuesday states early next month. Mr. Trump even spending part of his day Saturday launching a shoe line at a Philadelphia sneaker convention. The Never Surrender High Tops listed for $3.99. I think it's going to be a big success. Now, even as she hammers Donald Trump on his legal battles, Nikki Haley said at that forum overnight that she would pardon the former president should he be convicted of a crime and she be the next president. Now, she said it would be in the country's interest to move on from Trump and not have an 80-year-old former president sitting around in jail somewhere. That's a decision of great consequence she'll only get to make if her political fortunes improve dramatically starting this weekend in South Carolina. Laura? All right, Garrett, you're going to have a busy week. Glad you're back. Thanks. Meantime, there is growing outrage this morning over the prison death of Vladimir Putin's most vocal critic in Russia, Alexei Navalny. Hundreds of people have been detained at events honoring the opposition leader there. The White House laying blame for Navalny's death at the feet of Putin himself and weighing its next steps. NBC's chief foreign correspondent Richard Engel is inside Ukraine this morning with the very latest. Richard, good morning. Good morning, Peter. Navalny's family is trying to take possession of his body, but so far they have not had any success. When his mother and lawyer went to a morgue, uh, they asked staff there if Navalny's body was at the facility, but they did not receive an answer and say they were pushed out the door. This morning, tensions between the United States and Russia are high after the death of Alexei Navalny. Russian President Vladimir Putin has been accused of assassinating Navalny, his biggest critic. President Biden speaking out yesterday. Putin is responsible. This morning, Navalny's widow blaming President Putin for his death and accusing the Kremlin of holding his body to hide the evidence. In Russia, Navalny's supporters have been laying flowers and tributes, which Russian authorities are promptly removing. Activists say around 400 of Navalny's supporters have been detained. Prison officials say the 47-year-old Navalny, who barely survived a poisoning in 2020, collapsed and died suddenly last week at a penal colony in Siberia, one day after looking healthy during a court appearance. Russian officials say they have yet to determine the cause of death. As the Biden administration condemned the death of yet another Russian activist to die under mysterious circumstances, the president has also been reassuring Ukraine's President Zelensky that he still has Washington support. Russian troops are arguably today in their strongest position since invading Ukraine, capturing the small Ukrainian city of Avdivka this weekend, Russia's first significant advance in nearly a year. Ukrainian troops tried to hold the city along the front line in the Far East, but outmanned and outgunned, the government chose a strategic retreat instead, while it awaits fresh supplies of American weapons, blocked by Republicans in Congress. 
President Biden saying the United States won't abandon the country in its time of need. Miro Popovich has been fighting Russian troops on the front line for most of the last two years. I met him at the start of the war and caught up with him again recently. We are tired, we are exhausted, but we're going to have to keep fighting till my last breath or till the victory. Yeah. Which one do you think it's going to be? The victory. President Biden has told President Zelensky that he is confident Ukraine will get the military aid and ammunition and funding. And out here in eastern Ukraine, troops say it can't come soon enough. Peter. Yeah, your report just highlighting the urgency there. Richard, thank you so much. We have a lot more to get to, including an emotional Sunday service at Pastor Joel Osteen's megachurch in Houston, the first since last week's mass shooting that caused worshipers to flee in fear. NBC's Priscilla Thompson joins us from Lakewood Church. Priscilla, good morning. Laura, good morning. This was an incredibly emotional service that included a standing ovation for law enforcement, prayers for the family of the shooter, and a message about faith and fear. Tears of gratitude filling the sanctuary at Houston's Lakewood Church Sunday. Just one week after a shooter walked into the mega church with her seven-year-old son and an assault rifle and opened fire. An emotional pastor, Joel Osteen, honoring the church's security team and the two off-duty officers who fired back and helped congregants feel safe to return. It could have been so much worse that God's protection was there. Didn't feel any hesitation coming back. The shooter, a 36-year-old woman, was killed. Records show she had a history of mental illness and that authorities had confiscated guns from her several times before. That's a problem in our nation. Those individuals who are suffering uh, for mental illness, so let's, let's get together and let's do common sense legislation. On, on, on gun uh, um, laws. Police have not given a motive, but said a dispute between the shooter and her ex-husband's family may be related. Police say her son was shot in the head and remains hospitalized in critical condition. The boy's paternal grandmother writing on social media, he's clinging to life after doctors removed a portion of his skull. Osteen also encouraging his congregants to remain faithful and fearless. This is a time to shine brighter than ever, to share more hope, to dig down deep and say we will not fear for our God is stronger. And as for this investigation, it remains ongoing. Police say they do expect to release body cam footage from this incident in the coming days. And a bit of good news, the other victim here, a 47-year-old man who was grazed by a bullet in the leg, was in attendance at those services yesterday. And we are told that he is walking and doing well. Laura? That is some good news. Priscilla, thank you. Let's switch gears. Got to check of the forecast now with Dylan. It is a holiday, but the weather is keeping you working. Uh, it certainly crazy. is. Out west, that is going to be the big story for the next couple of days. But look at the rest of the country. Back through the Midwest, we're looking at high temperatures, about 15 degrees above average. We're looking at 60s and 70s down across Texas. In the northeast, it is still a little bit chilly, but then you go down into the southeast. The sun returns to Florida. Temperatures today, slightly below average in the mid-60s. And that's your latest forecast. All right, All right Dylan, thank you. thank you. Still ahead, a growing mystery and a college campus on edge after the shooting deaths of two people inside a dorm room. Emily Aketa is following that story for us. 
Hey there, good morning. Well, students at University of Colorado, Colorado Springs are returning to campus today for a healing walk after a 24 and 26 year old were shot and killed in a dorm room. Coming up, what we know about the gunfire that put the campus on lockdown and why people there are still on edge. And have you been waiting to book your vacation for spring break? We're gonna tell you which destinations are the most affordable and where you can find the best last minute deals. But first, this is Today on NBC. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Day, and we have a very big crowd out good there crowd starting today. the holiday with a visit to our plaza. Can't wait now to get out there and say hi. They've come to see Peter Alexander. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> that's unfortunately as good as it is for them today, sadly. We'll get Savannah and Hoda back in these chairs tomorrow as well. We'll visit with them in a moment. First, though, we do get to a serious headline uh, as we start this half an hour. It's a deepening mystery on a college campus. That's right. Classes are canceled today at the University of Colorado, Colorado Springs, after two people were shot and killed on campus inside a dorm room. Police now searching for answers. Emily, Emily Ketta is here with the very latest. Hey, good morning. Guys, good morning to you. This double homicide rocked a tight-knit community in Colorado Springs. The victims just 24 and 26 years old. Now, three days after the terrifying tragedy, there are lingering questions and concern with no insight on who did this and why. This morning, students at the University of Colorado, Colorado Springs, are waking up on edge. UCCS Alpine Village for gunshot victims. After police say two people were gunned down inside a campus dorm room early Friday morning, sending the school into an hours-long lockdown. I'm not sure if the scene is safe yet. Police identifying the victims as Colorado residents 26-year-old Celie Rain Montgomery, who is not registered with the university, and Samuel Knopp, a 24-year-old student. His mom posting on Facebook before authorities confirmed who was killed. There were reports of an active shooter on campus. I haven't heard from Sam, adding, this hits way too close to home. These deaths are being investigated as a homicide, and this continues to be a very active investigation in its very early stages. Authorities have ruled out a murder-suicide, but would not provide detail on any possible suspects who may be on the loose. Police describe it as an isolated incident between parties that were known to one another and not a random attack against the school or other students at the university. We don't really know 
if they're still out there or if they're still on campus, if they're a student. So it's kind of terrifying. Knopp was a senior at the university studying music, seen here in a video from a recital last year. The school chancellor describing him as an accomplished guitar player and an extremely talented musician, adding Seely, although she was not a student, will be mourned by our campus community. With no information about a suspect or motive, students are anxious. This is a massive shock for all of us. Um, this is not, you know, the UCCS campus that we really know. I still feel really on edge, so I, I feel like a lot of people don't know how they're supposed to be reacting right now. And in a statement, the university said safety on campus is their top priority. And if at any point it was determined there was a threat to anyone on campus, the lockdown would not have been lifted. Again, classes are canceled today with a healing walk set to take place this afternoon. So many questions on this one. Still probably more to come. All right. Thanks for following it for us. Just ahead this morning, a game changer for millions of adults and children. What you need to know about the first drug just approved by the FDA to reduce the very common and very dangerous food allergies. But first, Christine Romans is here with good news if you've waited to book a trip for spring break. Hi, guys. There are still places to go and deals to be had for you to plan your spring break this year. And there's a really special eclipse that you might want to uh, check out. We've got that right after the break. Alpha One Niner, commence Wi-Fi device checklist. Laptops on. TVs streaming. Game console consoling. Smart thermostat set for cuddle time. Doorbell camera. Oh, my package is here. Fast, reliable, able to power tons of devices inside your home at once. All systems go. You are clear for takeoff. This is Xfinity Internet. Wi-Fi built to wow. And watch the short film The Aviators. Now playing at Xfinity.com. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and are not guaranteed. If you ever needed to be persuaded that bad things can happen anywhere, then take a journey with us. From compelling mysteries to in-depth investigations, our Dateline episodes are available as podcasts. Follow Dateline NBC now to get new episodes every Tuesday. To listen ad-free, subscribe to Dateline Premium on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or DatelinePremium.com. Great storytelling with a twist from the true crime original. It's 7.38. Of course, spring break is on the way, and if you're itching to get away, there is still time to book and save, but you better act fast. NBC's senior business correspondent, Christine Romans, is here to help you with some of the very best ideas. Good morning. Good morning. You. It's starting to get pretty close, so this is crunch time. This is. you got to start with airfare. Where do you begin, and how do you get the oh, best deal? I have such good news on airfare. So it's down from last year, right? Last year was a big travel year. Airfare is down from last year, and it's about 11% lower than pre-pandemic. Hmm. So this is going to be a cheaper flying vacation this year than you had even before the pandemic, so that's good news. Um, you want to travel in the middle of the week. This is great if your kids are young and you're not beholden to the school calendar like I am, but if you start and end on a Tuesday a Wednesday, you're going to be 29 to 38% cheaper wow. on those airfares. And you want to track. At this point, you want to start tracking where the best airfares are. So use these airfare trackers. Google has one, Hopper, Kayak. You can go to the airline sites. United and the other ones will, will remind you that they've got a, a lower price on, a, on an airfare. So that's the good news here. And you still have time. I mean, you should start thinking about it now, but you still have time. Your hotels, you want to book them 10 to 14 days before your vacation. Um, but airfares, start, start looking now. But good news, they'll be less than last year. Okay. And then what are some other ways to save on vacation? Okay. So check your memberships first. Costco has 
has good deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, uh, AAA, AARP. You can use credit card points, but be judicious because different cards and different programs. Peter loves some points. I know this he guy loves, loves so love much about the points. And if you're an active uh, military member, there are lots of discounts. Even the airfares are cheaper if you are military personnel. So, folks, if you're in the military, make sure you check all of those all of those uh, savings. So where do we go? Give us some ideas. So, you know, the spring break crowd, the traditional, like, party on a beach crowd. They like Miami Beach. They like Siesta Key this year. Uh, they like Cancun. Um, that's not me. So if you are really looking for some other places to go, there are really cool deals for Montreal. If you're a foodie, if you want to have sort of the European kind of flair, but you're still in North America. New Orleans has some really, and the prices are very good for New Orleans. Hmm. Denver, a lot of folks are booking Denver. Um, it's got a craft beer scene. It's got really good food. You can go up to the mountains if you need. And the Outer Banks of North Carolina, if you want a beach spring break without the beach spring breakers, the experts say Outer Banks is the place to go. What about national parks? This is also very good. You got to book ahead. Yosemite is the biggest travel destination right. for families, right? For but you have to book ahead. Thirty-five bucks to get in. That's the admission. But you must book ahead. You do not want to get there and not have reservations. And know what you're doing. So that's a good last-minute one. Uh, all of the national parks are very, very good to go to. And and you know. I want to talk about this eclipse. Can we talk about this eclipse? Yes. April 8th, there's this big eclipse. When? April 8th? April 8th. You could go to a national park, maybe. This is where you're going to see it best. And they're having, like, festivals in a lot of these places. Yay. You can get married in Arkansas if you want to. In the full- <laughs> but it's a total eclipse. And um, you're going to be able, basically, for free to walk out your front door. Maybe plan your vacation around it, or maybe you're working that Something week. Something for the kids. But April 8th, yeah, that's when that it's going to be. A literal total eclipse of the heart. That could total be nice eclipse one. of the heart. Are you going to sing it for us? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he has a very good voice. Back. That is great. <laughs> Thank you, Christy. All right. Time now for another check of the weather. Hey, Dylan. Hey, guys. As long as we're talking about spring break, let's look at some spring-like temperatures across most of the country, especially back through Topeka. 57 degrees for a high today. Minneapolis, 11 degrees above average with a high of 41. Speaking of Denver, 58 degrees for a high temperature today. Rapid City, 49. Tomorrow gets even warmer. We'll see those high temperatures about 15 and 20 degrees above average. Wichita, nearly 70 degrees. Dallas, San Antonio, nearly 80 degrees. Alpena, 41 degrees up into Michigan. That's 9 degrees above average. Even Pittsburgh, close to 50. And then as we uh, look in the northeast, we are still going to see some milder than average temperatures uh, through Pittsburgh. Wednesday, Thursday in the mid-50s. Friday dips back down to 46. In New York, we should be close to 50 on Friday. So that'll certainly feel pretty nice getting some warmer temperatures in here. And that's your latest forecast. Thanks, Dylan. Up next, does Apple have a Vision Pro problem on its hands? Why some users of the highly anticipated device are already racing to return it. That story right after this. We are back with Apple's vision of the future that will apparently take some time for some customers to get used to. Yeah, the tech giant's virtual reality headset, Apple Vision Pro, debuted earlier this month. And while a lot of people have been wowed by the technology, others have been returning them. NBC's Sam Brock is joining us now with a closer look, a literal (laughs) up-close look at this thing. Sam, good morning. Yeah, guys, good morning. A look at the future. And look, as with any major new technology, some returns are expected. This is no different. Now, Apple is not disclosing the rate of return of its Apple Vision Pro, but the reality is there are a lot of videos circulating online outlining consumers' concerns, from the weight of the device to the fact that many people feel like it's just not a replacement one-to-one for a computer. Still, there is no denying the fascination with this product. 
since the Apple Vision Pro debuted earlier this month. It's not comfortable. It does not replace this. Some Apple fanatics and early adopters are explaining why they chose to return the red-hot headwear within the 14-day window allowed. Even though some are blown away by its immersive features, the complaints ranging from a lack of comfort to limited options for apps to a price tag that can easily touch north of $4,000. Narinder Walia tells us he'd gladly pay that hefty sum if he wasn't mainly using it to watch videos. Especially, he says, if the device can't be worn easily for hours in theater mode. After how long would you say you started to feel physical symptoms just from wearing the device? There was ice train after 45 minutes. The Wall Street Journal's Joanna Stern reviewed the product. I think part of one of the reasons these returns are happening is people get into the store and they're like, holy, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> and then they get home and then they realize, oh, I'm not going to use this thing so much. And I paid a lot of money. That wow factor convinced Luke Miani it was a worthwhile investment. I think they absolutely knocked it out of the park with just interacting with non-existent windows that appear to be floating in midair. But Mark Zuckerberg, not impressed, comparing the Apple Vision Pro to his Meta Quest 3. I don't just think that Quest is the better value. I think the Quest is the better product, period. As for the users showing up on the subway, and even dinners with Apple Vision Pros on? Hey, bud, I want some What's up with the pinchers? Miani called this kind of dystopian and likely not useful. Why bring it out to dinner with three of your good friends? I mean, it wasn't practical at all, but it was very fun. As for those who are wondering, is it really a good idea to bring these devices out in public? We've all seen these videos. Guys, the truth is, these devices are not designed to work in motion, which is to say the features are not as effective when you're moving. They're meant for home or for office. We did, of course, also reach out to Apple to find out more information about how many of these devices have actually been returned. So far, we have not heard back. Back to you guys. All right, Sam. Thank you so much. It's one thing when you look at the table next to you and like all the families on their phone. Another thing yeah. if they're all going to be they're on their like that. Apple Vision at once. <laughs> I don't know. All right. all right. Still ahead, the highlights from last night's People's Choice Awards, including an icon award for Adam Sandler.